You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. How's everyone doing today? You guys enjoying the weather? You guys getting your skis waxed up? Get your fat tire bikes out? And uh, man, we live in Narnia, okay? It's the best kept secret in, in global, universe. well, it's, best, it's in the globe. It's the best place on planet Earth to live. And uh, how many of you guys agree with me? You know, I'll tell you right now, when I moved here, people said, oh, read the chat line reviews. Go, go. If, if people have time to put a bad review of the city they live in, I'm guaranteed, follow the other city they lived in too, because it's the same thing. And, uh, but hey, we're, we're so glad you're here at True North Church. If you're a guest with us, thanks for coming. And uh, we have a guest speaker with us today. We had a great men's conference. And uh, how many of you guys came to men's conference? Give a shout out to the guys. We had a great time. Our speaker was incredible. And uh, uh, Nate, Nate, I've known Nate probably for probably 15, 18 years. And Nate was one of the premier youth pastors in the nation out of any denomination. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that he impacted. Thousands over his, his, his season in youth ministry. And then he went to a university and taught youth ministry and created one of the best uh, youth and family uh, uh, programs in the nation, raising up youth pastors and leaders across the nation. And, uh, and then he went to senior pastor. And uh, they have four campuses, touch thousands every Sunday. And uh, everything Nate has touched has worked because God's anointed him. He's used him. Uh, he preached an incredible message, first gathering. And I'm going to ask you, I know some of you are online, but would you give a warm True North welcome to my friend, Dr. Nate Roosh, as he comes to preach today. Let him feel welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks, bro. Ah, it's so great to be here. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Love being here. My wife and I flew in. I'd never been to Fairbanks before, and I've uh, been to Anchorage, but Fairbanks is better. That's what I think. Uh, just enjoying our time here. And uh, Jody, why don't you wave at everybody? My wife is in the front row. I'm so glad that we got to come together. And we are blown away by uh, your lead pastors here. Um, you guys are amazing. Mark and Heidi, would you give it up for your pastors? I mean, let's. Just blown away, seriously. And, uh, and just to see the life of what's going on in this church, it's real. You know, everywhere we've gone in the city the last couple of days, people know about your church. And uh, that's, a, that's a great sign. It's a great opportunity for you to, to uh, make an impact on the whole world from this place. Uh, I'm going to go right into my message. The title of my message is Praying Forward. And I hope to connect the dots from a few things from all the guys that were here from the men's conference as well as this morning to what I think God is doing in your church. And I believe that God wants you to think beyond the present and what you see and think into the future of what could be. That's what faith really is. But also connecting that to your prayer life. Often our prayer lives are at a low level and they could go to another level. How many want your prayer life to go another level? Where God is hearing your prayer, you're partnering with him, you're seeing God break through in your family and the people around you. Super excited to talk about it. Before I do, I talked about a sign to the community. I'm a little bit of a church junkie, and I've watched different church signs and pictures. And so I've got some pictures of some church signs that I want to show you today. And, it, and think about these pictures. Uh, go ahead and put the first one up. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Uh, <laughs> What is it saying to the community? <laughs> to the community around. Go ahead to the next one. 
If you stole our AC, you're sure going to need it one day. Wow. What's that saying to the community? Okay, keep going. We love hurting people. Now, that can be taken two ways, right? Um, okay, next time. Stop, drop, and roll won't work in hell. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, Little Hope Baptist Church. <laughs> Not sure what that says. Okay. You give God the credit, now give God the cash. Wonder what they think of that church. First Congregational Meth Church. They need to fix their sign. Something's not right there. Uh, honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. <laughs> church parking only. Violators will be baptized. Uh, there's a lot of fascinating things that churches signs say to the community, but ultimately, you are the sign yes. to your community. Yes. And what the church or the community thinks of True North is what they think of you. Yeah, you got great worship and you got incredible uh, community. Your kids' ministry is phenomenal. There's so many great things going on. I saw the youth ministries going, youth convention stuff. And I mean, it's really amazing things going on. But ultimately, people will judge whether or not they want to be a part of the church by whether or not they want to be around you. And how you interrelate in your worldview because we are the church. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you are the church. Now, the development of the life of Jesus and a representation of Jesus to the world has to do with what we call discipleship. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. Hopefully, you are more like Jesus today than you were one year ago. And hopefully, you'll be more like Jesus a year from now than you are today. It's a lifetime journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. Well, the example that we get to see of becoming like Jesus and coming underneath discipleship is found in the Gospels. And so you see these disciples that spend their time doing life with Jesus. They watched him do miracles. They watched him set people free. They watched him teach in hostile environments. They watched him, when the storms were raging, go to sleep in the bottom of a boat. And after watching all of those things, Jesus' disciples had a request of him. And it wasn't, hey, teach us how to do miracles. And it wasn't, teach us how to be a better public speaker. And it wasn't, uh, teach us how to make money. It was Jesus teach us to pray. And the reason for that was because they had watched what he did before he did miracles. They had watched what he did in the private times when he'd pull away and spend time with the Father. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, they said, teach us to pray. Well, what is prayer? You know, prayer means a lot of different things in different religions even. What is prayer? What is prayer to you? At its most elemental level, prayer is communication or connection to God. We're actually connecting with another living being, the creator of the universe. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 6, it says, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. And yes, I prayed to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his what? His ears. Didn't you know that God has eardrums? That he actually hears your prayer. You can 
you can talk to somebody. How many of you have ever talked to somebody that they weren't listening to you? But God actually listens to our prayers. He hears what we're saying. And the effect of our prayer, our connection to God, is that it will unclutter our hearts. There's a lot of toxins that are going on on the inside, stresses and burden. Anybody here knowing anything about stress? Uh, let me see a show of hands. In the last seven days, how, how, how many of you have experienced stress in your life? <laughs> Just about everybody, right? Well, where do you do with that stress? Does it stay on the inside? Does it go sideways and become a medical condition? Does it become a frustration inside that you take out on others around you or on yourself? Prayer is an avenue to get it out, to take it out of your heart. If you're burdened, you don't need a pep talk. You need a prayer time. You need to be able to talk to God about it, not just listen to somebody else pray, but you can pray. God wants to hear your voice, and it's beneficial to you. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love the fact that he cares for us. Isaiah 40 talks about those who wait on the Lord. He renews their strength. It's a great exchange. He takes our tiredness and gives us his strength. The joy of the Lord can become our strength. Do I have any parents here that get tired out? I know new parents, you know, as uh, Jody and I are um, blessed to have our third grandkid born a couple weeks ago, and our first girl in the family. We have four sons, our first two grandsons were, were, grandkids were boys, and now we have a granddaughter. And one of the things I'll ask my son the day in the morning, I'll go, how much did you sleep last night? Uh, sleep is not a big part of being a new parent, is it? Or a, a parent of a teenager sometimes when you're worried about what's going on. But here's the deal. When we pray, he cares about us enough to take that stuff, those worries and concerns, off our hands. Or a minimum to carry it with us. And it's a little bit like the baby inside the mother's womb where there's an umbilical cord that takes the toxins out and replaces it with the nutrients so the baby can grow. That's what prayer does for us. And I want to tell you something today. Anyone can pray. I don't know what your story is, your background, but anyone can pray. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can pray. pray. What do you think about the Bible, okay? Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Amos' only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Timothy had ulcers. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. (laughs) John was self-righteous. Jesus was too poor. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. Did I mention that Moses had a short fuse and so did Peter and Paul and a whole bunch of feet? folks did in the Bible, but God doesn't require a job interview. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses because he's more our dad than our boss. He doesn't look at our financial gain or loss. He's not prejudiced or partial, not judging, grudging. He's not deaf to our cry. He's not blind to our need. And as much as we try, his gifts are free. We could do wonderful things for wonderful people and still not be wonderful. Satan says, you're not worthy, but Jesus says, so what I am. 
Satan looks back and sees our mistakes, but God looks back and he sees the cross. He doesn't calculate what you did 10 years ago. It's not even on the record. Sure, there are a lot of reasons God shouldn't want to hear from us, but he does. He wants to hear your prayer. Now, when Jesus asked, was asked, teach us to pray, he responds with what we know now as the Lord's Prayer. And he gives us the pattern of how we could pray. It's not a formula. Now, many people have memorized this in different versions, and they, they've got it down. And, but it's not a formula. It's a pattern. It's a way to connect with God, okay? And so in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this is how Jesus replies. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, Jesus' prayer starts with a confession that's personal vertically to God, and it ends actually with intercession for those around us. He starts by saying, our Father, our Father. The word our means that there's more than one kid in the family. It's not just you, but when you go before the, the throne, you're in connection to other people. Even in this church, when we pray, we pray. We get to do this together. Some of you, that's a great strength because you feel like maybe you're not good enough, but your prayer is right along with your sisters and brothers who are also a little broke. You know what I'm saying? And so we can know that he's our father, and that word father is a relational connection, that we can connect with the father just like Jesus connected with the father. Jesus would not have said to the people, to his disciples, our pray like this, our father, unless he meant for us to have that same connection with our father. But the enemy works really hard at destroying our relationship with God the Father by destroying our earthly relationships with our earthly fathers. That's why there's the breakdown of the family. Because our God concept, our concept of God, comes from how we relate to family members. And when our relationships are broken, we have a hard time believing that God wants to listen to us. This is why it's really important to get involved with the family of God. If you come from a dysfunctional background or you don't really know what healthy family is, you need to be plugged in with the rest of the church so you can discover a different way than what you experienced in your past. This church, we need each other. Can I get an amen to that? He says, our Father who is in heaven. Heaven is the control room. It's the place that actually is in charge. The, not, not, not just... Um, has an opinion, not just for the church, but also for the whole world. It's the control room. And the enemy would love to get us to think that the enemy is as strong as God is, but that's not true. Let me play a game of opposites with you. If I say hot, you would say cold. If I say light, you might say dark. If I say hard, you might say soft, okay? All those things. If I say God, what would you say? Not really Satan, because every one of those things was an equal opposite. Satan is not an equal power to God. Literally, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So when you pray, it's not, boy, I'm kind of hoping that he's going to hear our prayer and, and that he's going to be able to answer our prayer. But no, he's the one that's able. 
He's the only. I can't get from Amazon what I can get from God. Come on, somebody. He's our provider. Give us today the food we need, the daily bread, other versions might say. He's the one that provides for us. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And that means in a practical way, learning to trust him in our prayer and with our actions. Because, you know, when it comes to him being the provider, your job is not your provider. Early on when Jody and I were uh, first married and we were having our first kids, we had four sons in six and a half years. And in the early years, by the way, I mean, we would go through four or five gallons of milk a week in our house. Uh, these, we didn't raise like small kids. They were all big. And, but I remember early on that Jody uh, and I were praying, and Jody talked to me, and she felt like she needed to stay home and be with our sons and not work. That effectively would cut our income in half. Now, the logical part of me said, there's no way this is going to work. But we prayed and we were following the Lord and our job was not our provider, God was. And so we had to learn to trust him at that stage. And God used a lot of different resources to help us out. I remember we got government WIC and we got different programs that helped us out, but we made it through. And all the while we learned to tithe. We learned to trust God with everything. And there were times in our, early on in our marriage where we were like, Man, I don't know. Maybe we'll tithe when we get more money. But listen, friends, whatever you are now, more money will make you more of what you already are. And so for us, we had to learn to trust God there. And as we tithe, God provided in weird ways. And it wasn't our job. It was God providing for us. So when we pray, we got we to gotta connect the dots to the other parts of our life, too, and say, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread or the food that we need is saying, God, I'm partnering with you. You're all I got. And how many know he can provide for us? And when you learn that principle, it's easy to be generous because if I give it away, God is going to re- replace it. He's going to take care of our needs. Can I get an amen to that? So there's this confession as he leads us through, and I'm not going through all of the prayer, obviously, but he leads us then to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. This is the principle in prayer of true confession. Confession comes from two Greek words, the words homo and logeo. Homo meaning the same and logeo meaning to speak. When people would confess, they were speaking the same thing to God as what he already sees. Everything is um, laid bare before the eyes of whom we will give an account to, the scripture says. So God sees it all anyways. But what confession does is it drops the barrier between us and God, and it allows God to come in and take out what's on the inside. If you don't confess... You're keeping it on the inside. Confession is not necessarily a bad word. We think of it in terms of, I stole the cookie, I confess. But confession is real time just saying to God what's really going on on the inside. You know, God's not afraid of what your real thoughts are. Sometimes when we come to church, we're singing somebody else's words that are on the screen. But I'm going to tell you true worship in spirit and in truth, as Jesus talked about, is when we learn to just take it all and, and talk to God about it. That's what the psalmist would do. 
The psalmist would sing. It's like a journal. You're reading somebody's personal journal when you read through the psalms. And you'll see a psalm and they'll say, the, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And it sounds really triumphant. But you'll see in the next few verses, you'll see things like, the water's up to my neck and I'm sinking. Where are you? And only they would sing it out to God. I tend to do that now with my life where I'm like, I'm just driving down the road and I'm just like, Lord, where are you? You know, things aren't feeling so good right now. And in real time saying, hey, I'm feeling a bit of depression. I'm feeling a bit of anger. I'm feeling whatever it is that's going on in the inside. That would be what the psalmist would do. And not just kind of the nice things, by the way, because you'll see a psalmist will sing, Lord, my best friend turned his back on me. Kill him. And like you read that, you're like, wait a second, is the Bible endorsing murder? No. What's happening is the things that are going through your head and your heart, when you yield it to God, it doesn't stay in your head and your heart. It gets it out. Sometimes we have bitterness that builds up on the inside simply because we have not confessed it. We're trying to fight it on our own or we think that God doesn't want to see it. But listen, God even wants to hear you talk about your temptations. To sing those things out to him in real time to do the confession, the homologia, Lord, here it is. And how many know he knows like the, the baby with the umbilical cord how to get it out of you? Our Father in heaven, he's our provider. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness, 1 John 1, 9. Right. Not just sin, but everything. And then he gives us a requirement. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. There is a direct connection to our forgiveness and how we treat other people. This is not an easy thing, and it's not a normal cultural rule in a modern society. Modern society says, you wrong me, I'm going to call you out on social media. I'm going to take you to court. And there's this, this response, but forgiveness, this is a different way. When you come to church, you come to find the way, the truth, and the life. And it's different than outside the church. The rules and the word and the rules of following Jesus are different. When somebody hurts you, what do you do with that? How do you respond? And there's all kinds of biblical direction for how to handle that. I think you're talking about it in your life groups right now. But I would encourage you, follow the Jesus way. And if you only want to forgive a little, that's all you're going to get back. Right. It's like taking a measuring cup out and, and saying, you know what? I'm going to give a quarter cup of forgiveness to this person. Guess what goes over your head from God? A quarter cup of forgiveness. Right. They're directly connected to how you handle this. So Jesus is saying, hey, connect the dots to the relationships in your life. And finally, it's praying for us. It's an intercession. And don't let us yield the temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, friends, I want to connect the dots now to this idea that we can be for other people and pray for others as if we're praying for ourselves. And we can do it in a powerful way. We must learn to pray for others as though they are us. In a modern era where everyone is for or against other things, you know, the, the state that Jody and I pastor in is the state of Minnesota. And in Minnesota, Minnesota Viking fans do not like Minnesota, uh, uh, Green Bay Packer fans. 
There's, there's some anger there. I'm a Michigan Wolverine. I grew up originally in Michigan. I, 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 I struggle with liking Ohio State people. And it's just kind of, it's like built in, right? But listen, it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican, black, brown, yellow, or white, Mac or PC, paper or plastic, come on, male or female, north or south, young or old, rich or poor, many things are us against them. But if there was one thing that Jesus was for, he was for people. He kind of ignored some of those things, and he went into communities, and he loved people. But the woman who was caught in adultery said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And sometimes that requires reaching into the future beyond what we see in the present tense to pray for others. I love a little verse I used in, in the men's conference this weekend from Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, where it says, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. Another version of the message says, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. Essentially, Isaac had two sons, and the sons that were in front of him were not really great people at that time. One was called a deceiver, Jacob. The other was Esau, and he was kind of selfish and into his own pleasure. And yet, he's noted as being a man of faith because he reached beyond that moment into their future and he blessed them for what could be. And I believe that we can do this in our prayers to not just pray for what we see, but for what could be. Someone did that for you. Someone prayed for you before you were worthy of being prayed for. They saw in you when you were younger a rebellious person without the hope of being where you are today. They looked at you and they saw greatness out of nothing. They called it out. They prayed it for you. They reached into your future. My dad did that for me. He prayed for me when I didn't see it. He said, son, I'm disappointed in your behavior, but this is not who you are. Listen, parents, how many of you are, in here, are parents in here? Let me see your hands. You're a parent. If you're a parent and you look at your kids, kids have a way of pulling the dark side out of you, don't they? But a person of faith, a person of faith has to learn to not just see that as a permanent condition. This is an action of your child. This is not who your child is. And learning to believe and see into the future beyond this moment is your responsibility as a parent. If you call out things as if this is a permanent condition, it becomes a label over their life that they'll carry with them for a lifetime. But you can believe good things for your kids. Can I get an amen to that? We must be people who reach into the future for our sons and daughters, for our spouses, for our family members, and join the Spirit as he is working in their lives as we pray for them. We're behind them, believing the best for them, the wayward, the hardened heart, the godless. We must pray for the return of prodigal sons and daughters. Pray for the leaders of businesses in our community, our schools and our government, and even that boss that maybe drives you nuts or that person that seems to push your buttons. Who's got some button pushers in your life? What if instead of just getting angry about them all the time, you prayed for them? 
reached beyond the present and into the future. Looking past all the obstacles that seem to be in the way and then saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Listen, it's time to become passionate fans of the people that God has placed in your life. Whether you like who they are right now or not, God can do a great thing in their story. You can say, I'm for you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm for you. To be for someone means that we're in a person's corner for where they could and should be. To be for someone is to have the vision that Jesus has for their life. To be for someone is to fight the enemy of their soul in prayer because we don't want anyone to fight alone. To be for someone is to refuse any form of gossip that people want to bring into the public. To be for people is to refuse to give up on them when they choose foolishly. To be for people sometimes means refusing to join their bad choices for they have a way back. To be for people is to relentlessly pray for God's best in their life. Church, we can pray for people. And the more we do it, the more God's love for them will grow in our hearts. The more you pray for your enemies, the more you'll love your enemies. The more you care for them. And the cool thing is people know it when you're on their side. They can feel it. They also can feel it when you're not. And when they come to work, they can feel that you're cheering, that you're cheering for them. Kids can tell when their parents are praying for them. They're with them, praying for them in their life. The more we pray, the more God's burden becomes our burden. And the more God reveals his vision. You know, I like to say that, the, that burden is the birthplace of vision. If all you see is negative, take that burden, that worry to the Lord, and God will give you his vision for that person, for your community, for the family that's around you. And you can pray prayers that outlive you. I am standing here as an answer to my grandparents' prayers. Their prayers outlive me. And I believe that God can have use your prayers, even if you don't see the answer, that will make a difference in the decades and years to come in this church and for this city. Amen? Why don't you stand with me today, church? We're going to practice what I preach. We're going to pray here in a moment, and I'm going to have you praying for the people in your life. But before we do that, can you just close your eyes wherever you're at? I just want to give an opportunity for those of you that perhaps are come to church today or somebody brought you to church or maybe you're joining online. And you're in a place where right now you're away from God and somebody has been praying for you. Just close your eyes wherever you're at, nobody looking around. But if you say today, this is your day, you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back to him, I would love to pray with you. Jesus died for you. He was for you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died. And you need to give your life to Christ today, I'd love to pray with you. And if that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. I need to give my life to Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Several hands up here. Yes, I love it. I love it. I want to lead you in a prayer, and you can repeat these words out, but mean it from your heart, and pray this prayer out loud to God, and everybody else in the church you join in, write it along, please. Just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. And then you rose from the dead. Today, I surrender to you. I ask you to take over and make me new. 
I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house, amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. His ears heard you, and I encourage you to stay on the journey of following him. Pastor Mark will give you instructions in just a moment. Those are some next steps for you. But I want to just end with this. Put your hands in front of you like this, and I, keep your eyes open. I want you to imagine in your hands all the people in your life that God has placed you around, both in the church and outside the church, in your family, in the community, in the school that you go to, whatever it is, all those people. Some of those people are only in your hands. No one else has the assignment to take care of them but you. And some of them are your enemies, too. Think about the people that rub you the wrong way, perhaps. The people in the community that are on the other side of the political aisle or have a different belief or whatever it may be. And I want you to do what I just preached about. I want you to pray for them. Can you do that? Now lift those hands up as if you're lifting those faces before the throne. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are able to do above and beyond anything we think, ask, or imagine. Today, Lord, we follow in your footsteps and we pray for the people in our lives. We say, oh God, let your kingdom come down on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we don't know how to change people's minds. We don't know how to change their behavior. But Lord, we pray, God, that you let loose heaven on their story. That, Lord, you bring prodigal sons and daughters back to That, Lord, that you transform the community. That Fairbanks, oh God, would come on fire for you because there's a move of God happening amongst people because this church has been praying for them, oh God. I pray, God, schools would experience revival. Students would experience a renewal. That, Lord, families would be transformed simply because the church is a praying church and we're praying for the people in our lives. We thank you today in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.